Thank you for joining us for Reducing the Risk of Teen Addiction, a podcast series from Rogers Behavioral Health. When it comes to preventing teens from turning to drugs or alcohol, we must first understand who is most at risk, the signs to watch for, and what to do if we suspect a teen is using. Throughout this series, you'll gain critical insight into navigating this very complex issue. Today on the podcast, we are talking about risk factors for teen substance use. I'm Becky Wam, and I'm talking with Dr. Michelle Maloney, Executive Director of Addiction Services at Rogers Behavioral Health. Dr. Maloney, why do kids turn to substances? Well, thank you, Becky. You know, kids turn to substances for a variety of reasons. You know, one of the reasons that we really take a look at is the biopsychosocial factors. That's a big fancy term for, you know, from a biology perspective, you know, teens with a parent who has a substance use disorder is more likely to develop their own uh, substance use disorder, as we know that substances or addiction um, tend to run in families. The psychological part of it, you know, mood disorders, history of trauma, that's not to say if somebody's depressed, it will cause them to have an addiction. Addiction in and of itself is its own disorder. However, we do know that people try to self-medicate with you know, various substances and they want to feel better. And typically speaking, people with a substance use disorder, particularly adolescents, have a significant history of trauma. You know, many times we talk about the chicken of the egg, you know, which came first. Again, we do know that people who do have trauma histories tend to find something to want to make them feel better. And in the short term, substances make people feel better. And then we look at the social aspects, you know, their friends, their groups, their parties, celebrations. It's also, you know, substances is easily accessible nowadays. We know in a recent study, 70% of adolescents you know, can access any type of substance they want within about 24 hours. That can be pretty scary for parents nowadays, whether it be the dark web. You know, we, we hear all these things about the dark web and social media and the ability to buy substances online. You know, that's true. It's not something we just see in the movies. Again, not to frighten parents. You know, it's important that they know what's going on in their child's life. You know, we also know that the younger someone starts using substances, the more likely they are to develop a substance use disorder. And why is that? A lot of it has to do with brain development. You know, as we think about the brain and how the brain develops, our brains develop from back forward, you know, and our prefrontal cortex, which is in the front of our brain, is really responsible for our decision-making, our impulse control. And when we think about adolescence, Adolescents struggle with impulse control and decision-making, so it's quite normal. Add substances to that, and it can change the way our brain develops, um, and therefore delaying some of that natural uh, brain development. Let's talk about triggers. What causes teens to use substances? Triggers. Well, sometimes that's a loaded word. Um, You know, when we think about triggers, triggers is something that brings about the desire to want to use. So someone who's already been using, it can bring about a craving. And that can occur for a variety of reasons. 
But triggers is one of those things where, you know, as you develop, you establish this connection between an inanimate object, a feeling, and you combine it with a substance. And then when you see that object, you want to use. And some of those triggers can include hanging out with friends who already use, or maybe dating someone who uses, or just feeling that peer pressure um, to use. You know, as I mentioned earlier, certainly social media can be a trigger to want to use. Other substances can also trigger us to use. So, you know, we hear a lot about the gateway drug of, you know, smoking or vaping, The reality is we do find research and studies to show that if someone starts smoking or vaping, they are more likely to drink alcohol or use marijuana, for example. You know, and we can't say one causes the other. It could be that it's more accessible. They're hanging out with friends that make it more accessible. Maybe they're in a crowd. Um, We're not really sure why one leads to the other, but we have found studies that do support that. You know, some of our other research shows that one in three songs contain some sort of substance use language, and three in four rap songs contain substance use language. You know, we also see in the movies about 70% of characters who smoke, you know, and one in three characters drink alcohol. So when we think about our adolescents, you know, they're listening to music, they're going to the movies it does present a cultural norm that smoking and drinking is acceptable. So with that in mind, what are the most common substances we see teens using today? So here at Rogers, we see marijuana, alcohol, and nicotine or vaping as the most common substances. That's not to downplay the use of other substances, including opioids. We're now seeing an increase in the use of methamphetamines, For example, you know, there's something called goofballing. And goofballing is something we've been seeing here, particularly in northern Wisconsin, in which they're they're combining opioids and meth at the same time. And on the streets, it does have a name known as goofball. And again, from a treatment perspective, that can be a challenge because unfortunately, methamphetamine does not, there's no detox for it. There's no medication Uh, to help with that withdrawal process. You know, you may also see adolescents who are using those substances maybe picking at their skin, you know, and having uh, that what we call tactile dysfunction, you know, or prolonged acne, right? If the adolescent has never had acne before and now all of a sudden they're looking like they have a bad case of acne, sometimes that can be an effect of the chemicals that the, the drugs are made with. When we think about marijuana, for example, you know, particularly now as marijuana is becoming much more legal and readily acceptable across the United States, the perception of harm is decreasing. Again, you know, we hear about pregnant moms smoking marijuana to help with morning sickness. I think it's important, again, we recognize that perception of harm does not equate to safety. Um, You know, Marijuana, although legal, may not be safe um, for, for that. You know, we also hear a lot about CBD oil and how CBD oil is a miracle drunk. You know, I think there's a lot of conflicting information out there about CBD. 
it's important for, you know, adolescents, parents to educate themselves. You know, some of the research out there is being funded by the actual companies producing. And so, you know, we have to understand what's the difference between research being done bias-free and those being funded by, you know, someone with a bias, you know, and it's the FDA, it's not regulated by the FDA. So I think that's one thing that we need to really start looking at as the FDA embroaches on the subject. You know, vaping, when we think about vaping and the increase in lung disease, more than 1.3 million high school students started vaping nicotine last year. Um, You can also vape marijuana although not legal, it is accessible. There's an adolescent study called Monitoring the Future. And that Monitoring the Future study is about 43 years old. We have never seen an increase like we saw in vaping from 2017 to 2018 in the history of that study. So that tells us some pretty significant that our adolescents are believing that it's, again, not harmful to them, you know. That is their their perception. Along with that, alcohol. Alcohol is readily available. You know, we think about holidays, weddings, and, and alcohol being a norm within many of our society functions. Again, as we take a look at this, there are many reasons why an adolescent may start using substances. Some of it may be experimentations. Others may lead to addiction. You know, and part of it is adolescents are under this constant pressure to fit in, whether that be fit in with their peers, whether that be to fit in with family members. As they go away to college sometimes, there's that new pressure to fit in, and it's maybe their first time away from home. So, again, you know, what I would really want our listeners to take away is because we perceive something as less harmful, it does not mean that it's completely safe. Let's talk about prescription pills. What might be at home that parents don't even know their kids could be addicted to? That's a great question. There is a lot of use of prescription pills. Some prescription pills that people tend to look for are like benzodiazepines, and that's a fancy term for medications like Xanax. People also look for stimulants like Ritalin. You know, one of the things with adolescents that's pretty popular with both adolescents and young adults is something called farm parties. And what a farm party is, is adolescents will bring all these pills, put them in a bowl, and then when they come to the party, they will just take a handful of pills. The challenge with that is we don't know what those pills are. So if they wind up in an emergency room, you know, doing talk screens to try to find that out. Um, So you may say, well, where do you get these pills to put in this bowl at a farm party? You know, one of the major reasons or one of the most availability at real estate open houses. So if you think you're going to a real estate open house, that medicine cabinet may be unlocked. People tend to steal um, from those open houses. They get medications that way. They get medications from their own family medicine cabinets. And those pills can include and range anywhere from, you know, grandma's menopause medications to benzodiazepines to amphetamines to aspirin. 
I mean, it can be a whole wide variety. And when you start mixing prescription pills, there are potential side effects to that. And so it is a dangerous combination that is fairly prevalent within the adolescent and young adult communities. Dr. Maloney, thanks for your time. On the next episode of the podcast, we'll talk about the mental health connection between teens and substance use. Rogers Behavioral Health is helping children, teens, and adults rise above their challenges with mental health or addiction. To learn more about Rogers' specialized treatment, visit rogersbh.org today. I'm Becky Wham. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you.